This is Bards of Gaming. I'm Elijah Fish. This is music by Medhat Hanbali. To episode two of Bards of Gaming, my name's Elijah Fish. I'm here with Medhat Hanbali. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast, Medhat. Thank you for having me. So Medhat is quite an accomplished composer here in Montreal, um, having worked on innumerable TV and film projects, as well as having composed for video games and other multimedia. Medhat also does string arrangements for pop music artists. He is a reviewer for Audio Jungle, and he teaches music production and film music at Music Technique. So Medhat, could you just give us a bit of background on yourself? Who is Medhat and how did you get into music? I started when I was four. Uh, I absolutely loved everything that had music, toys that made music. And I was, uh, you know, driving my parents crazy, uh, mm-hmm. asking them, you know, I want to I want to learn piano, I want to learn piano. So they they gave me, you know, uh, they got me to, to study classical piano when I was four. And uh, from there, I continued playing all, all my life, uh, really. And then I uh, went from classical uh, to pop and jazz and CJEP, did my degree at Marie-Victorin. Um, I specialized in composition and arrangement. And um, yeah, I've always uh, I've always loved film music, but I never thought that I would ever do it as a career because I thought that, you know, I'll never be able to do it. And, you know, I was, uh, since I was really little, I, I used to get to go to the library and, and get CDs from soundtracks and, and listen to all sorts of things, uh, whether it's, uh, it's um, it could be a new age uh, thing from like an Enya uh, soundtrack or it could be a Cirque du Soleil uh, soundtrack or it could be a Harry Potter soundtrack or any movie or show. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a style that I really liked since I was really, really, really young. I never thought that I would do it as a career today. And uh, there we go. A couple of years later, fast forward, and uh, I'm, I'm doing it uh, for a living. Mm-hmm. Any soundtracks in particular that had a really big effect on you growing up? Um, I grew up watching a lot of uh, Disney movies when I was younger, obviously, and a lot of um, a lot of the older cartoons, like the uh, Looney Tunes, uh, all the Tex Avery stuff, um, uh, the Warner Brothers cartoons, mm-hmm. um, stuff from uh, the Cartoon Networks, for example, like Dexter's Laboratory. Uh, I've always gravitated toward darker music <laughs> for some strange reason. Um, so you know, uh, I think the first the first uh, soundtrack that I really really fell in love with was the Harry Potter one uh, from the John Williams, and that's the first time that I I really you know I got obsessed with it, um, and I started listening to every single cue and analyzing it, you know, and. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a John Williams soundtrack, so, you know, the, the guy's a legend. <laughs> so you do some string arrangements for pop artists. Yes. How did you start getting into that? What's that been like? Um, I got called, so uh, f- because I, I I write for films, uh, I had to learn more about the orchestra and, 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 and write, uh, you know, orchestral writing. Um, I got called to for the first time to write with a, for a guy called Christian Sprocka, who hired me to write for his uh, um, his show? Uh, he had songs that were already there, and they needed strings. Uh, it was a string quartet, and I've never worked, uh, you know, for a string quartet ever. And I had uh, I had you know four four players, and there we go. We had to, we had you know, so I had to get familiar with his repertoire, and I needed to write strings that uh, respected his music uh, branding or, or his his music uh, world. So the thing with with uh, arrangements in general, not just strings. Every artist I work with has a different sound and a different signature. Even if it's uh, you know I'm still writing it myself. Um, every artist that I work with has their own thing, their own sound, their own style. So my job is to respect their their uh, 
their universe and try to support it with with my instrumentations without uh, making it sound like you know just another uh, something that comes from another place it needs to fit like a glove it's uh, the same type of work that i do in film um where i'm you know uh, writing a a score that's original only for this production and only works for this production absolutely yeah so following like a director's vision could draw a parallel between respecting the vision of a pop artist kind of absolutely thing. absolutely that's you know your job is to uh support them not uh take the spotlight that's not your job uh your job is make them shine um you know by supporting their their music and and supporting their um the, the song itself mm-hmm. when you're working on songs mm-hmm. and support the story i guess when it comes to film or yeah TV. Yeah, yeah i mean that's i think that's the main difference between uh, an artist and a designer and i think i'm more on the designer side uh you know i get called for a specific project my job is to uh, understand what this project needs and then uh, deliver um within those uh, boundaries uh, deliver something that works really well with uh their 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 needs mm-hmm. so do you have any type of approaches to your composition or your production do you tend to take it by case by case or do you have any sort of philosophies that fuel your your composition your arrangements i think when you get uh hard to write in a, in a specific style your job as a composer is really to uh take a mental picture of the style itself um let's say i, I let's say let's say i'm doing a spaghetti western um you know my job as a composer is to do my homework and study you know uh, all the composer that wrote for a uh, composer that that written um um you know western music what what is the typical instrumentation? You, you start with the cliches in your head. You take a mental picture. What is the instrumentation? What type of tempo is it? What type of rhythmics is it? Um, from that, you start with this cliche, the cliche, and then you start getting away from it while keeping some of the elements. And that's um, that's how I'm able to write. Um, you know, uh, for for the, for a specific scene, uh, analyzing how the music plays with the picture. Uh, all the hit points that are needed uh, to be highlighted and how how not to be um, how to do it subtly you don't want to be doing a ta-ta type of uh, <laughs> type of hit you know uh, you need to be able to uh, be subtle and and support the story without uh, taking too much space so it's 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 a really it's a really thin line I tell my students it's think about a, uh, a tissue paper when you take it, it has two tissues right and you, then you split it into one and that's that's the line on which you're that's how thin the line is between too much and not enough <laughs> so when I'm writing uh, for a style the, I, I have those I, I like to call them like folders in my head where I, where I take the essence of that style or that that uh, that genre and I, I, I start from there as a starting point and then go with the flow. How much of your time would you say is divided between composition arrangement and say the production side or just getting it to that level of, of production quality? Uh, believe it or not, I, I do everything in parallel. Mm-hmm. I, I write and I adjust my volumes and I adjust my pannings and everything in, uh, as I'm working. Because if I get a call from a director saying, hey, can you send me what you've done so far? Most of the time I will negotiate to get the cue to be finished. But if they really insist, I can self-send it to them and it's it sounds ready. Uh, workflow is something that's really... Uh, crucial in this industry you have to be very fluent when it comes to uh, not just the musical language you have to be very, very fluent with technology too and uh, have a good workflow to be able to be fast know all your shortcuts um, so I I write and I, I, I do the production side as I as I progress at the same time I need to I need to hear uh, the final product or something very very close to the final product as I work uh, so I know I, ke- I keep the big picture uh, you know uh, uh, in my in my in my field of vision and I'm, I'm able to see what is the big picture how it's working and and that's it and another thing that you know composers um, that are starting up I think they, they they should definitely understand is that directors are people that are visually driven they're not their job is not to be experts in sound. Uh, you know, they have so many things on, on you know, on, on their plate to, 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 to be taken care of. Um, I think that as composers, we should deliver something that's very close to the final product so they don't get um, shocked uh, about what they hear. It's like, oh, no, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound great when it's going to be uh, replaced with better sounding <laughs> instruments. Right. It's, it's a no-no, you yeah. know. J- just make it sound good and send them what sounds like the final product, uh, you know, you'll keep them in the loop all the time. Mm-hmm. Cool, yeah. 
Um, do you tend to play a lot of the music yourself? Um, do you hire musicians? Do you use a lot of MIDI? Um, most of my stuff are MIDI. Mm -hmm. uh, I really work super hard to make them sound as as, as good as I can. Um, there's always room for improvement. You know, I'm, I can't. I don't claim to be the best uh, programmer. I, I'm I'm the best uh, of what I can do today. Tomorrow, hopefully, I'll be better than 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 today and and better than yesterday. So you know, um, I tr I always try on improving my my programming skills when it comes to MIDI programming. Um, always trying to work harder to you know be a better orchestrator and you know it's it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of work uh when i had the luxury to hire musicians i i would always if i had the choice i would always have live musicians i just love this process i like working with with uh you know with with experts and in, in their fields and it's it's just better you know those guys have been practicing their instruments for you know 10 15 20 years sometimes more depending on you know how old the musician is and those guys are way better than i am uh <laughs> at knowing their instruments and playing you know they they will just give it this this 10% that's going to make all the difference, sometimes more, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so I'm writing the notes, yes, but they're the guys giving, you know, playing everything. So without them, you know, the music is not as good, I think. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really breathe life into the... Absolutely, absolutely. They they give you they give you uh you have you know you you have somebody who's let's say playing uh, a violin solo and the person has been playing for thirty years. Well, you get thirty years of experience, you know, uh, plus their their interpretation of the music, and it's always you know it's always a pleasure to hear people uh, life life players. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what what was some of your first projects or what was your debut like into the tv and film world i started uh with a movie uh for a student film it was called uh, the melody of the magical ballerina which is a movie uh directed by priscilla piccoli who's uh who's one of my best friends today uh you know we were we still work together she was at concordia and she had to do her first uh, her first uh, short film uh, it was a Christmas, uh, f Christmas slash fantasy film uh, about a, a disabled child that uh, you know uh, is on Christmas Eve and she dreams of becoming a ballerina and then you know it, uh, and then she has a dream and she's dancing and all sorts of things. Uh, and I I remember I really need, I really wanted to nail it uh, since the very beginning. It was my first score ever, and I thought. You know, I can't mess it up. I absolutely can't mess it up. Uh, that's gonna be my my only piece of portfolio, and I I really want the movie to be, you know, um, to, to you know to be to be good. So I, I don't want to give a bad score, uh, you know, and hurt the movie. So it's a lot of pressure, uh, and I, I had really limited resources when I started. I was using. Uh, you know, a lot of the built-in instruments within my 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 software. I was, I was using Logic Pro back then, and um, yeah, uh, it was a really interesting process. Um, and uh, I had I remember having two temp tracks. My first temp track was uh, Amélie Poulain mm -hmm. uh, from Jan Tiersen, and the other one was Edward Chisorhands mm -hmm. by Danny Elfman. So I was asked to write something in the style uh, of those two composers, and uh, that works with the picture. So it had to be uh, an original piece, and it had to have the same type of vibe of those those two pieces.
was an interesting experience. I remember I spent 54 hours <laughs> of work to to write this thing, and uh, you know now my workflow is so much better. <laughs> I I I can do the same thing with you know within a day. But back then, you know, it was my my big project, my first project, and I didn't want to mess it up, and uh, I didn't have any experience, so you know. You, you rethink things so much, you overthink. Uh, I've written so many ideas that just never made it into the final score. But uh, you know what? It's um, It was a great experience. And today I still work with uh, Priscilla and she's one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Yeah. So there was one project you did for the uh, Planetarium of Montreal. Yeah. That sounded like a cool project. Yeah. Media interactive. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a bit about it? Definitely. It was a show called The Secret Faces of the Moon, uh, Les Faces Cachées de la Lune, which was the French version. It was an interesting project because it's in a dome and we had, uh, you know, we had uh, several speakers. I don't remember the exact amount, uh, but it's on two rows and there's one in the middle and uh, the upper side called uh, The Voice of God. So okay. it, was, it was an interesting experience. I've never made uh, written any music for a dome ever uh, and never written anything for an interactive show because the show was not, was never the same there was a narrator so it wasn't even recorded uh and depending on the audience's interactions the first audience would see something different from the second one so you know i think i've provided something like an hour and something of music and the the the, the, the audience would see 45 minutes of the show so every show was different um They had a proprietary system called Digital Sky. I think that they still use. So that's proprietary. So I can't use it myself. I don't own it. Uh, so that was a technical challenge. There was also another thing. I think we had seven minutes. I think, yeah, uh, seven, uh, sorry, we had six minutes to test a music cue okay. in the show. Every, like, because every show is 45 minutes. Two minutes for the audience to leave, and uh, and and uh, and two minutes uh, for the next one uh, to come in. And within that time, we would be we had six minutes left to be able to test it between okay. two shows. Uh, so it was you know I would be working with the, with this person, and, and the person would be speeding like crazy and trying to get the computer not to lag. Oh, the 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 computer froze. Okay, what do we do? Okay, wait for the next show. Forty five minutes later, we can try it again. So it was an interesting experience. Um, And having having a system like I wish that we had a system such as Wise, uh, where I could program measures bars, uh, you know, uh, to, to tell them on the next bar switch from this track to this track. Mm -hmm. This is the tempo. Use this file as a stinger. Use this file as a symbol uh, symbol swell as a as a transition segment. But I couldn't. It's it just the system didn't allow that. So uh, I had to figure out different ways to go from rhythmic to ambient to rhythmic to ambient uh, to have a smooth transition without, you know, having it sound like it's fading. Mm. So it was an interesting challenge so from, cool. from yeah. that side. Wow. Yeah. What was the actual interactivity element of it like? Yes. So so this show, um, we have uh, parts of it which was linear. Uh, it's, it's very similar to a video game, actually, because there's uh, in a video game, you have cinematics that are linear and you have the gameplay that's interactive it's pretty much the same type of uh, approach where in this show we would have the um, i would call the the, the pre-recorded uh, stuff those were scored to picture and uh you know uh, i remember we had this the scene where you would see the stars and then you can get the constellations and depending on the question of the audience you will see different constellations so that was an interesting um thing so audience number one would see two or three constellations the other one would see a different one audience number one would see jupiter the other one would see mercury mm. so you know it's it's uh that's that's why that's the interactive part of it and the 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 narrators is actually an actor that was there uh asking the questions to the audience and he had this laser pointer to point on the dome screen uh 360 uh degrees uh, you know to be guiding the audiences uh to look at the right places
but uh, yeah, kids kids seem to enjoy the show. So schools would come uh, every day and uh, go to the planetarium, and they would they would watch the show and uh, and learn about the solar system and uh, several phases of the moon and you know uh, constellations. So and they also had this booklet that they would use in sc at school uh, after the activity and before to study to learn more about space and how it works. Awesome, yeah. Educational, musical, interactive. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about Miss Daisy? It was a 3D animation project you worked on? Yes, I worked on this project. I got called, uh, I think it was in 2014 or 13, I don't remember the year. Uh, I got called by a friend of mine who was working on this project. He wanted to do a short film, uh, but rendered within Unreal Engine. Uh, that wasn't something that was super uh, common back then. It's not too long ago, but it's not, you know, Unreal Engine is a video game um, engine, for, uh, and they wanted to use this for graphic rendering. So they animated everything. They did the story. They were using a system called Matinee uh, for, for placements of the cameras and, you know, uh, cutting from scene to scene. And they were using the particles uh, from Unreal for uh, for the guns and for all sorts of uh, effects. Um, they were using uh, um, a lot of physics, uh, you know, for the environments. Uh, it was it was an interesting project, and it's it's a uh, it's a story about a um, a spy that wants to kill Miss Daisy, who's a very old lady, but you know she's got a couple of tricks up her sleeves uh, herself. <laughs> so you know she goes to this restaurant, and then he he discovered that she. she she has, you know, all sorts of gadgets. It's 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 very similar to the Looney Tunes uh, that I used to watch when I was younger, you know. Uh, so it, because it's a spy, I got a lot of inspiration from the James Bond's themes, um, you know, the you know uh, a bit of jazzy stuff. Uh, People like Hoyt Curtin, people like uh, uh, Monty Norman, all these guys uh, were a lot of inspiration for me to write those type of jazzy-esque uh, type of score. Mm -hmm. um, and it was uh, using a lot of the Mickey Mousing, which is a uh, technique to accentuate what's happening on the screen um, musically, um, like they used to do in the old Mickey Mouses. So, um, so there we go. It was an, it was a cool project, uh, and and we got featured on the Unreal website which is pretty cool. Cool. So basically what you're doing, you're you're uh, accentuating what's happening. So let's say the character reacts and the, the eyes pop up. Well, you're accentuating this with, with right, music. Right. Uh, it could be a trumpet growl. It could be, you know, uh, let's say somebody falls on the floor. You might hit it with a cymbal. Right. This type of... Uh, this or type like of... Uh, xylophone. Yeah, somebody, let's say somebody's falling on the stairs. You know, you can do a, a play with uh, quick xylophones. It's, it's very cartoony. Mm -hmm. So this started back in the days of the Mickey Mouse uh, movies. And uh, and it's a, it's a common theme within mm -hmm. cartoons called Mickey Mousing. Definitely a kind of a quirky, comedic uh, spin on the music. Yeah, yeah. And it had to be serious also at the okay. same time. So it's, uh, it's a very thin line. But, you know, I mean... It's an old lady who has guns, so you, you know you have to. You, there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of uh, playfulness mm -hmm. to yeah. to it. Yeah. Would you say uh, like capturing 3D animation within Unreal is that something that's more common now? Oh, uh, I know that there are some series actually. Uh, there's um, I forgot the name. Uh, I think it's called. Uh, it's not Zootopia, but it's, it's, it's something that has the word zoo, I believe, in it. Um, they were using. They they are currently using Unreal. Uh, okay. The Unreal Engine. Uh, there's a show on uh, Radio Canada called La Flac, okay. which is a uh, animated f show where you see politicians. Uh, they used to have their own proprietary system, and they would have a. Uh, they would use something called Waldo, which is a uh, Jim Henson uh, technology. It's invented by Jim Henson uh, to animate uh, 3D characters with a uh, with a little um, controller. 
Now they're using the Unreal Engine to do uh, to do it because they had better graphics within the Unreal uh, Engine. So they're they're using this for their daily show. Um, the real time technology allows you to change the shirt of somebody or uh, without wa waiting for you know twelve years of rendering <laughs> <laughs> uh, or needing a big render farm. It's everything is in real time. So you know it's an interesting technology, definitely. Right, that's so cool. You did some music for a, a Montreal-based horror film or anthology, I guess, uh, Montreal Dead End. Right, right. Yeah, what was that like? So it was an interesting process because there's um, several uh, directors. I don't remember the amount exactly. I think it's 16 directors or something. Uh, about, you know, over 300 people worked on this project. Mm -hmm. It was a very interesting uh, production because every director would have a small story and there was one... Uh, main story that you know is like the, the conducting line between the first one the second one etc okay. and uh, at first I was a bit skeptical like everybody <laughs> uh, weren't sure how this would gonna you know was gonna play and uh, it ended up working really well uh, we actually won uh, best Canadian feature at the Fantasia Film Festival right, that's great we had uh, we had a couple of uh, well known actors uh, from Quebec who played in it and it was a, it was a really fun project to work on um, and on my end, it was an orchestral score, uh, which I love writing, and uh, it's it's a it's a very dark, uh, dark, dark, dark project. Mm -hmm. And I had to, I you know, I got to use the theremin, so that was a theremin. So that that was a pretty cool uh, <laughs> privilege to be able yeah. to use yeah. the, this instrument. Love that cue, uh, the opening theme, I guess. Yes. Is it? Yeah. Very spooky. Very spooky. <laughs> I, because you know, um, it's it's like a tongue and cheek, uh, tongue tongue and cheek uh, thing. You know, you look at it and it's, you know, that it's it's we're not taking ourselves seriously at all. So we had a lot of fun uh, playing with that. We you know some places were like B series movies and. You know, we we just want to have fun, and, mm -hmm. and we, you know, it's not a horror film; it's a horror slash comedy. Okay. So, you know, cool. Yeah, it seems to, very fitting for Fantasia. <laughs> Montreal, it played in Mexico, played in Quebec City. It's going to play at the Spasm Film Festival, and uh, we have a couple of places where it's going to head up. You know, it's it's, it's doing festivals right now, and it's uh, we also played it in Brussels uh, in Belgium, 
they've seen a, an unfinished version of it. Uh, we didn't have most of the special effects weren't even made, but you know they were you know they got an idea of what the movie might look like. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a fun project. Sweet. What was the communication like between where there were multiple directors or multiple crews? Was that how did that affect like the music? Uh, so there were several composers on the segments. Uh, I had I think I scored three segments, and uh, the the main. Um, uh, narratives uh, that that links uh, all the segments together. So what I did is I scored the opening, uh, I, I scored the the main segments, and then there were transitions, there were drone sh uh, drone shots in Montreal because every segment happens in a uh, different district. So the first one would be in downtown, the second one would be in the old port, etc., etc. So um, I scored the, uh, those parts, and then I scored the, my own segments. Then I got called back uh, like two or three months later, when uh, where they had everybody had their their uh, the music within their uh, you know the, the the segments, and I had to listen to the first one. Let's say the first one is uh, ends on a, a E major chord, and the other one uh, you know starts I don't know in, in B flat uh, <laughs> chord. Well, I had to yeah. find figure out a way to write a transition that starts from there and that ends yeah. on the next one right, right. so it's a smooth transition yeah. and that also uses the late motif that i that i wrote so everything seems to be uh, you know glued together um and uh, you know so i would rewrite the theme uh twist it do key changes all sorts of things to make it make it transition well it was an interesting mm -hmm. project, Sweet. and there was really a lot of talented uh, actors, a lot of talented composers, a lot of talented directors. It was a cool, a cool project. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, Medhat, you've scored a handful of game projects as well. Mm -hmm. In your experience, what are sort of the primary differences in scoring for linear versus nonlinear media? The main difference uh, is, you know, uh, for games, uh, audio is interactive. Uh, it's unpredictable. Uh, and games, uh, you know, uh, you can have different endings depending on how it's designed. Uh, what you can lose, you can win, uh, you can get checkpoints. There's a lot of uh, uh, things that change uh, in an unpredictable way. Uh, when it comes to film, it's very linear. So it starts here, it ends here. That's the you can predict how many seconds, how many frames you need of music. When is the person gonna jump? To, to be scared or when is the person going to laugh uh, so it's very yeah it's a, that's pretty much the biggest difference mm -hmm. between both of them so the writing should be different too mm -hmm. I feel like for games the transitions are a big challenge would you say uh, yeah I mean it depends on how you're writing the music mm -hmm. um, you know like one way of writing it uh, would be to divide your composition to several smaller pieces and having them randomized. So every time you lose, the music starts again and it's a different section and it's random. So it never starts from the same place and it's never the same order too. So you could tell if I'm using a middle word like wise, I could tell wise, uh, play this uh, playlist and randomize it and don't re repeat the last uh, four uh, files that you just played. So it's uh, unpredictable for the player as well as for us because it's, it's an algorithm that's doing all the... Um, all the math behind it uh so that's a way of doing it but you need to figure i i like to describe it uh as you get hired to make a rubik's cube and telling the computer how to solve it okay so you're designing this rubik's cube which is the music uh, into sections and you tell them how to switch from one section to the other section you can have a transition um for example it could be a symbol swell that hides the transition between track A and track B, um, you know, and, and think that there's going to be also sound design. There's a UI thing that pops up that's also going to hide this transition. Um, it could transition on, on, you know, next bar, next beat immediately, depending on how it's programmed. Um, yeah, there's also the states. Let's say I'm in action versus I'm in exploration mode. Uh, it's going to be different music. Uh, you can have layers uh, that add um, add layers to stress you out or remove them. It could, we could add fast percussions uh, to make the person feel a bit more, more tense. We could add uh, fast strings uh, over those percussion as well as brass, uh, fast brass to make you really feel, you know, make your heart beat faster. And then uh, you can have a stinger like a thing that just ends the 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 action state and goes back to exploration mode or stealth mode so you know there's so many things you can do in games right. really 
Yeah, yeah. Um, would you say there's any challenges specific to film scoring? Uh, film scoring is a, uh, I th- I see it as a as a different media by itself because uh, you know where you you know you, you know where it starts you know where it stops uh, you know where you're heading so you have more time to I guess work with characters work with uh, these types of things but in their most recent games if you look at God of War or Spider Man uh, that just got released you know on the PS3 uh, sorry PS4 uh, you'll notice that the the mediums are becoming more and more um, closer together. So f- uh, film uh, and video games are, are blending into, you know, a lot of uh, the video games that I've, I've, I've seen recently look like films. Mm-hmm. They actually hire a lot of cinematographers. They hire a story team. So the experience is more engaging with the audience and people feel more, um, yeah, engaged in the story and with the characters. So it's starting to become this hybrid genre mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. Yeah, definitely. Do you find there are any sort of like pillars or philosophies that you've developed uh, in, in your in regards to like how you approach composing for games or composing for films? I try. I always try uh, to understand what is the story that we're tell- going to tell. Uh, the story is the, is you know what drives everything. Um, if I'm doing a film, I've always, uh, my first question is, what is the story we're going to try to tell? Uh, two people aren't going to tell the same story the same way. So uh, what is it that you want the audience to feel? What is it that the music is doing? What is the role of the music? If it's just, oh, it's just to have music, well, that's not a good reason to have it. <laughs> you know, silence is better in that case. <laughs> so uh, what is the role that the music is playing uh, in that particular scene? Why do we have music? What is it that I need to highlight? Am I highlighting what's happening in the character's head? Am I the narrator of the story? Am I the audience's uh, perspective? Am I misleading the audience into thinking that this person is a bad person when they're not? Uh, there are so many things from a narrative point of view that needs to be addressed uh, in order to write the appropriate cues Mm-hmm. to those uh, scenes right and same goes with with uh, with games uh, sometimes some games are going to lead you uh, with the music think about uh, the old Zelda game with the maze the Ocarina of Time you're basically following the, the music to, to know where you need to go is it left is it right and then you just follow the sound with especially uh, you know how it's uh, spatialized um, sometimes the music is going to signal that there's an attack so we can have a music singer uh, segment to be that type of uh, percussion thing to tell you, oh, that you're gonna get it, you're gonna get attacked. So uh, you have to be careful. So those are the type of uh, it's it, it's all about telling the story and narrativity. Mm-hmm. One is linear, the other one's interactive, but it's still an experience that we're creating for for the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all great considerations. Um, so can we talk a bit about some of the, the specific game projects you've worked on? Um, in Kaoming. Am yes. I pronouncing that right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, such a funny game. Funny mixture of kind of folk or country with uh, animal sounds, right? Absolutely. It, tell us about that project? Yeah. It, was, it was a really wacky project, but I, and I love wacky projects because um, I get a lot of dark stuff. I get hurt for a lot of those things, but I also love comedy. So um, I, I was able, you know, I was allowed to be uh, absolutely crazy about scoring it. sounds uh, that I sampled within uh, the contact uh, to have them playable on the piano. 
So uh, I took roosters, I took dogs, I took uh, chicken, I took all sorts of weird, mm-hmm. uh, weird stuff. And I also used a lot of um, uh, instruments uh, that were used in the Tom and Jerry uh, era, for example, like uh, all sorts of bells, all sorts of uh, sticks, all sorts of, you know, weird things. I have also a, a um, I have a virtual instrument, which is... Uh, people that inhaled helium and they recorded their voices uh, as a choir and so it's a it's a it's a choir but with people inhaling helium so i use this also as a voice so i used i used a lot of um, unusual instruments to score it and it still had to have a uh, farm feeling right so because what is the the actual premise of the game so the game is it's two farmers that are really angry at each other so both of them have tanks and you have to put cows and pigs and all sorts of animals within the tank and throw it on the other farm uh using the cam you shoot the you, you shoot them at the at the at the at the, uh, at the other farm and your and your job is to destroy the farm and obviously when you shoot a cow on the farm the cow explodes because that's what cows are supposed to do right <laughs> so uh so yeah it's it's uh, you had to destroy the farm first so it was an, it was a very interesting project and i had a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh writing it it had a bit of uh, an old mcdonald had a farm type of yeah, uh yeah. type of piece uh, there we go oh, oh yeah and and uh, i also bought this uh, this uh virtual instrument uh library uh which was instruments that were recorded uh, by people who couldn't play them Okay. So you know, it's like, hey, do you guys? Play, uh, hey, uh, do you play trombone? No, excellent. We're gonna record you, and they would r- r- sample these guys playing, you know, badly. So that was also uh, great because when you <laughs> all the libraries that you buy are, are you know played by a really good musician, seasoned yeah, musician, and my, you know, I wanted to do something absolutely wacky, mm-hmm. like you know, think about the mask crazy type of uh, things. So you know, uh, it was a, it was a fun project, and I had. I, I wish uh, I wish uh, I had more you know more projects like that yeah. definitely yeah the wackiness definitely comes across oh yeah I was wondering what the bass instrument sound was I was like is that an animal too I don't know if you remember what you used for the bass so uh, it's a piano doubled with a uh, tuba and it's also doubled with a double bass uh, so it's this combination of those right. three uh, but the, the the tuba was played badly played by by somebody who never played tuba <laughs> in their life and that's that's why you get this this uh, weird uh, wonky yeah, sound yeah. I gotta get Just my hands on that uh, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a library from a company called Adio okay. it's called yep. uh, Misfits okay it's really really cool sweet um, what about a Steamboat Billy uh, Steamboat Billy. So I I got a call from uh, my friend uh, Patrick, who is at Geek Sound Factory. It's a, it's a small uh, uh, studio s- sound for games in Montreal. And uh, Patrick and I were friends since uh, university. We studied uh, at the U- University of Montreal, uh, both of us. So we've known each other for a while, and uh, uh, we've worked together. So he called me back, and uh, he said, "Hey, there's this uh, trailer for this uh, new upcoming game. Do you wanna do you wanna work on it?" I'm like, "Sure." So uh it was an interesting it was an interesting project because it's animation uh, that has the styles, uh, style of the uh, 20s but it's also mixed with uh, all those those Japanese animes. So the design of the character is pretty unconventional. Uh, they look old then again the animation is super fluid and the the uh the animation looks very modern and the characters are a hybrid between the 20s and the animes. So I couldn't take the approach of the the old uh, Mickey Mouse type of jazz uh, sc- score. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't get the sound. J- just didn't work from an from an artistic point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't the right the right color for it. Um, so what I did is I scored it. Uh, I used uh, gypsy jazz. So I got a lot of inspiration from the Django Reinhardt. Uh, Repertoire. Uh, I also love electro swing, so I, I listen to a lot of Caravan Palace and 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 uh, you know uh, bands like that. So all those inspiration uh, were very handy for me to write to write this this piece. And uh, I that's that's the approach that I took. I, I took a swing type of uh, gypsy music for it and it, it, I think it works uh, pretty well it also had a lot of uh, Mickey Mousing in it uh, because of the beginning I mean it's it's cartoons so it's supposed to sound like cartoons mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of uh, typical car- uh, old cartoon uh, 
uh, type of music within the cinematic and then when the game starts and that's the swing uh, the jazz swing um, cue project to be part of and uh yeah uh, looking forward to see how this game evolves mm -hmm. were there some live live guitar play it was 100 percent midi that's amazing yeah 100 midi it yeah really, it, it breathes though it's uh, yeah i try i try good. i try to make my my mock-ups sound as realistic as possible um you know obviously i didn't have too much time i think i had four and a half hours literally to score it okay. because i was finishing a feature film and i couldn't do it when they called me to do it and i just had like four or five hours something like that and I had to score it within this very small timeline and then again when you you know when you're composing don't overthink it just you know take this mental picture of the style and understand what you need to what is it that you need to hit and go 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 you're in warrior mode <laughs> and you need to deliver so yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the result yeah. yeah and there's another game coming out pretty soon I think uh, set for this year uh, mm -hmm. it's called Mage Rift Yes, so that was a game that I, I worked on last year, uh, also with uh, Patrick and Geek Sound Factory. Mm -hmm. uh, they they uh, they called me and uh, we had this uh, meeting with uh, with Reco Studios, and uh, which is a really cool uh, studio to work with. Uh, I worked with a guy called Thomas, and he was really nice to me, and uh, and you know he knew what he wanted. We had discussions. And uh, basically, he said, "Can you write something uh, for wizards uh, uh, in the Harry Potterish uh, uh, style?" I was like, "Sure." I mean, I'm a big fan of Harry Potter, so <laughs> you know, you, I think you got the uh, you know, uh, you got me uh, a, a very cool project to work on. So uh, I scored this this game. It has uh, three worlds. You have the lava world, you have the uh, forest world, and you have the ice world. So I had to write. Um, two different states per world exploration versus action uh, do stingers uh, losing music, winning music uh, I had uh, beast for the, the main menu uh, and I, I had written uh, themes for these so the forest world would have a lot of ethnic flutes, a lot of percussion the other um, ethnic percussions the, the uh, ice world I wanted something that was very um uh that, that you know that felt cold then again like what is what is cold in music <laughs> so i thought oh okay well cold air uh it has a, uh, or air in general has a bit of breath so i use flutes i use uh, i thought about crystals so what what is what is what can i use to symbolize the crystal so i use glockenspiels uh i used uh, what's what's the name of the the instrument celestas mm -hmm. for that uh a bit of piano uh and and i i used uh, strings, but the strings were really suspended, so that kind of gave it this icy type of feel from an instrument, instrumentation point of view. The lava world was really, really, really dark, so I had to go um, action, uh, super dark type of music, and I had this choir singing uh, really, really dark, dark stuff. So 
when I did the main menu music, which was the last thing, I did like a medley of of the the, the worlds, and I took themes from the from there, themes from here. I wrote a new theme, and I tried to you know mix it all together. This way, when the players are going to listen to the main menu, and they're going to get the actual music in the third world or second world, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that, or oh, this sounds familiar. This is how you make, uh, you know, reusing parts of cues or just cues uh, helps glue to things together and have uh, branding it in a way, basically. So when you listen to it, you know, it's made drift. adaptive music stuff happening, right? Absolutely. I mean, so, uh, as I said, there's two states uh, of music. You have winning music, you have losing music. Uh, We were using WISE uh, for this project, Uh, so WISE was really helpful, and uh, there's a lot of... um, Interactivity also with when it comes to uh, to sound design, but that wasn't my uh, my uh, department. That was uh, on on uh, Geek Sounds uh, end. Uh, they did a lot of uh, cool sounds, and uh, they were all interactive and all um, specialized uh, to, to you know to 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 give you indication when you need to know where to look, where to go. And it's an iPad game, so you also have you're limited from a resources point of view. So there's a lot of things uh, from a technological point of view. That kind of limits you and your creativity, but it's it's a cool it's a cool uh, project. I had a lot of fun working on it, and I, I I'm really looking forward to see it. Um, we've uh, shown it at the Comic Con. We had uh, people come back two, three, four, five times to play it again. So that was uh, we had really good uh, positive reviews. We've we've done the Dream Hack at the the Montreal uh, Olympic Stadium. Uh, where uh, we also showcase the game and people seem to have positive reviews. Uh, we had beta testing and people also seem to have good reviews. So we're hoping that the community is going to like it. What's cool about this game is that it's going to be very community-based. So the audience uh, of the gamers are going to be able to build their own levels. So you pick which which world you want to work with. Let's say you pick the ice world, and then you can make your own map, and you can share it with your friends. So you can play their their levels, they can play your levels. So it's um, kind of like a Super Mario Maker in mm-hmm. a way. That's awesome. So it makes it, you know, you have a lot of levels already built in, as well as the ones that you will make, and you can share them with the community. And that's, I think, the edge that's uh, very interesting with this one, uh, with this uh, with this game. I got to try, uh, I guess, an earlier version of Maydrift a year and a half ago, a couple years ago. It was already looking really cool back then um, with these multi-touch kind of mechanics, right? Yes, so when you're doing your spells, you can use, uh, you know, uh, the multi-touch uh, feature with your fingers to make a shield that's like a triangle shield, or you can draw an ice wall or, you know, a firewall, whatever you need to draw with your spells. And it's, uh, I find it's 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 a pretty pretty cool uh, usage of the of this um, feature within the iPad itself. Uh, hopefully we will get them on other platforms. Uh, we'll see how the game develops, but so far so good. It's looking good. Feedback is positive, so I'm I'm very uh, excited about this project. Awesome. So Meta, before we wrap it up, I just have another couple questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. One important aspect of becoming a professional composer is building your network. So I was just wondering, how did you 
grow and maintain your network over the years and what was what was that like i attend a lot of events I don't just go to uh, film events. I also go into, you know, uh, theater. I, I go to see concerts. And I, I just go and, and I, I talk to people when I like their work. I, you know, I tell them I, I really like it or I don't. Uh, well, if I don't like it, I don't say anything. But if I, if I, if I you know, uh, I, I went and I, I, I you know, I, I used to, and I still go to, to a lot of shows, um, you know, met people several times and uh, uh, sometimes they will they will see what what I do and you know sometimes they would say hey we should work together and and that's that's how I did it uh, you know I, I I generally got interested in what they did and uh, learned more about them and I learned more, a lot from watching others um, you know in film I would go to events uh, related to, to film and I, I would watch the movies and have a chat with the the, the creative team so uh, let's say the person doing the costumes i would i would be interested because i'm generally curious about what they do and, and i ask them so how what material did you guys use for the costumes how did you do it uh, and i because i love filmmaking uh and i i like to learn as much as i can about everything uh so i would ask questions uh about about how they did the costumes how they did the, the props um how how was how did they get the idea for the for the story uh, what what was the casting process like and um you know uh, those guys become your friends and then sometimes i would hear uh, from a director saying hey do you know any dop You're like yeah sure definitely and i, I would call my friends with a dop and and then they got a gig because i ref recommended them and then sometimes you know uh, the dop would say hey uh uh, do you know a composer? And they would reference, you know, give you give you as a reference. So uh, it's very interesting. It's a it's a very interesting uh, process. It's a very collaborative process. Uh, the arts in general, especially filmmaking, it's one of the most collaborative fields. Um, I think for any composer who wants to go into, you know, media in general, uh, you have to be. It's not about being passionate. It's you really have to be obsessed with it. It's uh, it's a bit of a mental illness <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I joke about it, but it's 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 true. It's it's uh, you have to be. You have to genuinely like uh, the process of, of of filmmaking. And and same thing for games. Not just learn about the music part. Learn about you know uh, how and uh, how a game engine works, for example. Uh, learn about the history of these things when you're writing for films learn about uh, the history of film music uh, te how technology evolved learn about the repertoire that's being played uh, the repertoire from films also uh, um, you know think about people like Franz Waxman uh, or, or uh, Bernard Herrmann or, or John Williams or Korngold or all those all the you know Max Steiner all these guys uh, who are the inspirations uh, of the guys that we admire today? So, if you want to learn what they're doing, learn from their heroes, mm -hmm. and you'll learn learn a lot. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to, I think, um, you know, you, you're building your network, you're uh, you're uh, learning more about what what people do, and you're also improving your own skills by learning more about what they do. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's great advice. Um, genuine curiosity, a thirst for knowledge, and putting yourself out there, absolutely, meeting people, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, if people don't know who you are, uh, they they won't know who you are. So why would they call you? Mm -hmm. They don't know that you exist. So yeah. you know, it's it's uh, it's it's yeah. That, I mean, that's that's really how it is. It's it's a very social uh, industry and it's a very collaborative industry. People need to feel they trust you, and that's you know why would they trust somebody they just met? So it's a long process to build this relationship with the people and. You're learning more about what they do. They're learning more about you. They learn how to work with you, and you learn more how to work with them. You know, you have no idea how, the amount of directors I've worked with who would... I, I, sometimes I would feel like a therapist for them. Like They would tell you <laughs> stories about, you know, th personal things that happen and ask you for advice. And you're like, I'm a composer, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, when when you're at that level, you mean, you know, you know that you're generally friends with those guys mm -hmm. and you're in the circle of trust in a way. So, uh, you know, they confide in you. They would ask you for questions and the same thing for you. You will uh, some almost um, like brothers and sisters. You know, you ask them, uh, what do you think about this situation? Um, you know, and also when you're working with them, when you have when you're at that level, you uh, I'm happy when I'm with the director, he looks he or she listens to a cue and they will say, I hate it. That's perfectly fine. 
this means they're you know they're we're at the level where they know that I'm gonna not gonna take it seriously and they trust me and they're able to express their honest opinion and that's absolutely fine so you need to be at that level of trust with with the the guys that you're working with um again it's a collaborative art we're all telling a story and we all need to move in the same direction now that you're at where you are now uh are there any particular big challenges you feel you've had to face to grow into med hat composer today um Oh, it's, 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 it's all about hard work, really. There isn't any secret, uh, you know, anything that I do, anybody could do the same thing. And I'm not, I don't, you know, uh, everything that I do is, is, uh, is out there. There's no secret knowledge or anything that I learned. It's just hard work. And, uh, you know, uh, what I'll be doing today, I'll, uh, I'll be happy with it. And five years later, I'll be super ashamed of it. And I know how I am. And I, a lot of people are like that, but this means that, you know, you're evolving and you're working on yourself. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting process. Uh, just, just continue on, on, on trying to learn as much as you can work on yourself, work on your skills. Uh, there's so many things that I, I, I just see the mountain, you know, I, I, I know that I'm, you know, uh, I'm moving forward definitely, but I also see, the, the, the mountain i can't even see the top because there's clouds you know <laughs> i know how much i need to work to be to get to be getting you know one percent of what i want to accomplish like learning other instruments and be better at orchestration and you know uh have better writing improving my skills as a player my skills as a musicians so yeah uh just just keep on on, on working learn as much as you can and uh that would be the best, uh, the best thing, I guess, to, 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 to evolve as an artist. And that's not just for music. This applies for everything, really. It's discipline, hard work, and, you know, you're allowed to do mistakes. Uh, you avoid as much as you can, but mistakes are there to teach you lessons. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what's next for MedHat? Uh, going to Los Angeles to attend the American Film Market. Uh, have a couple of uh, projects also over there uh, with uh, friends that I uh, that I met. Uh, so we're going to see how those projects are going to evolve. It's a long-term thing. Uh, I'll be back uh, uh, later in November, and uh, I'll start working on a documentary uh, on Amazon. It's a co-production with uh, Paris. So uh, it's a French production, and uh, this production should be done by february so that's what's coming for now cool sounds great um where can people find you uh people can follow me on social media i'm on twitter uh at medhat hanbali my my full name or you can go to my website which is uh www.filmcomposer.ca and you can find all my info over there medhat it's been awesome chatting with you today thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the podcast thank you so much for inviting me that wraps up the interview with medhat the final segment of this episode is called Game of Bards. <laughs> For this episode's Game of Bards, I sat with Medhat in front of his keyboard at his studio. I played him an improvised sequence of five notes, which he took and created an entire two-minute theme with, on the spot, totally improvised. Here are the notes I gave him. And here's what Medhat played. Our prize for this episode's Game of Bars. <laughs>
And that's all for episode two. You can follow us at Game of Bards on Twitter. Check out Med Hat's website and music. And thanks to Anna DeChico for the awesome logo art. You can check out more of her art at artstation.com slash Chico. Links are in the description. I'm Elijah Fish. Thanks for listening. Thank you.